Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. I've been hearing a lot of people talk about Wyndham Clark like uh, he came out of nowhere to win the U.S. Open. And I guess he did. Like by golf standards, 29-year-old guy who had uh, one career win on the PGA Tour, ends up shooting a 70 in the final round of the U.S. Open, good enough to hold off Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler and, and win a major. Terrific story. Wyndham Clark, great story, right? After the victory, Wyndham Clark credited Oregon golf coach Casey Martin, among others, for helping him turn the corner. That was his college coach at Oregon. He had gone to Oklahoma State out of high school, transferred to Eugene after the death of his mother to breast cancer. And I have been eager to hear the backstory or maybe some of the behind the scenes story from Casey Martin, the golf coach at the University of Oregon. He's been kind enough to join us to talk about it. I have to think that that was an absolute thrill. Coach, thanks for making time for us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Give me an idea from your standpoint. I mean, you you know I mean, you, Wyndham is a kid and, uh, you know, watched him grow in your program, and all of a sudden you see him on that stage. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was fairly surreal just to see at that biggest stage a player that you knew was ready for it um, in the sense of talent and preparation, but still, it's the U.S. Open. It's not the uh, just a, a run-of-the-mill event. And, and to see how he handled it, he, he's obviously made – incredible jump maturation um and just to see him out there with my good buddy john ellis who's caddying for him um is he's just really satisfying and rewarding to just play whatever small role and my role is small um, um but i i got to spend a year of my life with Wyndham and, and watch and observe and and it's just really special you know i'm i'm tearing up on the last hole as that putt and when they're hugging because i know all that's gone in behind it so really cool uh for me to be able to experience that when you uh, you know when you're watching him in the opening round, he has a brilliant opening round, and all of a sudden he's in this thing. I mean, you had to be um, kind of you know you know him as a player, and you know that you know as a, as college kids kids can be up and down. But was there something about Wyndham in his time at Oregon that made you feel like hey he can sustain? He's ready for this. You know, I think when he was at Oregon, he probably wasn't ready for this stage, but he you could tell from a talent perspective he would get there. Um, he's got a complete game. And um, what I mean by that is he's incredibly long. He's freakishly long. And, and yet he's got a short game that can rival anybody. And so when you have those two sides of it, it's, it's pretty uh, tantalizing. You know, when you're a coach watching this going, this kid has got it all. Um, what he probably was lacking younger was just that, that emotional maturity because he'd been through a lot. The way he's geared, you know, he's really intense, and, and he kind of would beat himself up. And so he's had to grow through that. I know that's been a big thing uh, for him. But you you see him trend, you know, he got out there pretty quick, you know, through the Corn Ferry and then had been competitive on the tour. And then the last six or eight months, something clicked. And I think we know what that is. He's been working with a psychologist that's kind of unlocked the door for him. But – um, you saw it click. I mean, he's made like 14 to 15 cuts and then one in, in North Carolina um, had just made a ton of money. And then I think when he won, I think that validated him. I think it took a ton of pressure off him. Um, and then he kind of 
you know, just played free at the open. And, and, and it was just, like you said, incredibly satisfying and, and rewarding for not only me, but all, all duck fans everywhere to be able to get to see that. Casey Martin with us, university of Oregon men's golf coach, uh, you know, I uh, you mentioned Ellis, uh, the caddy, your former assistant coach at Oregon, and you know the relationship that they had as a as a player and a coach at Oregon, obviously carrying forward, so valuable to have you know essentially an assistant coach with you on the course as a caddy. Absolutely, John. The story behind Wyndham. There's a few people that are that have played huge roles in his life, and and John is absolutely one of them. And the other couple is, is Jeff and Jamie Gaskell from Eugene um, that are like a second family to him. Um, but John played at Oregon, played for Coach Nosler, was um, uh, I think twice all Pac-10 first team, great player, never made it. Played in a couple opens, won some Cal State opens and stuff, but never made it on the tour. And he could have. He's talented enough. Um, and when his career was kind of winding down, we had been chatting for years about him wanting to get into coaching business and finally worked out. And so I had, I had him as his first year coaching um, and happened to be when Wyndham transferred in. And so just to watch their um, partnership, their friendship grow throughout the year, uh, John nailed it. He was unbelievable um, because his personality, he was able to, to tease Wyndham and kind of deflect some of the tension that Wyndham would carry. And he, instead of just making it heavy, he would tease him about it. And I remember in a lot of our team meetings and stuff, he'd crack jokes and you couldn't help but laugh. And Wyndham couldn't help but laugh at himself a little bit. And it just took all the edge off and it allowed Wyndham to just play, play better because he wasn't just wasn't so heavy. And John was, such a big part of that and i think that's why they hit it off and i know john um obviously ended up working for him shortly thereafter and they've been together ever since and and um it's really special to me that that is a special part that i got to play a role in kind of putting those two together you know that's fascinating and you also mentioned sort of the surrogate family i know that Wyndham lost his mother to breast cancer and it was kind of at a pivot point of his college career oklahoma state decides to go to oregon i know you recruited him as a high school kid but you know, what did you see in him at high school that made you want Wyndham on your team? Aside from the fact that he's got some talent. Well, like you know, we go out and recruit all the time, and you see kids, and and you're trying to make decisions on is he good enough, and I think he's good enough, and then you see Wyndham, and it's like, holy smokes, he might be too good. You know, it's like, will he stay more than one year? I mean, the talent, it just it it's easy to see, just the power. Um, he's an incredible athlete, and so there's just a natural speed there that it's hard to do unless you're just a freak athlete. And so that's what really struck me is is just how um, intense and talented he was. And he, he chose Oklahoma State, which you know is kind of our our Alabama football, so to speak, Oklahoma State golf. They're the dominant program, and and so he goes there. But it's a really intense program, and it's there's a lot of expectations and pressure. And so he gets there. And the, his head coach that recruited him was no longer there, lost his job. So I don't know why, but whatever. Um, that happened, and then he loses his mother. And so the two big people in his life, the coach that he adored there and, and his mother were gone, and he was kind of a, a, mother, a, you know, a mama's boy, so to speak. And so he was, he was lost big time, and his game was showing it. We, we host the national championship in 16, the year that we won, and I remember looking at Oklahoma State and going, where is Wyndham Clark? He's not on the mm. team. So he did not make their national championship team, five guys. Um, and I'm like, that is really, I mean, it was really 
odd to me. It's like, how can he not make that squad? He's so good. And then lo and behold, he, you know, transferred a week later and a couple months later, I was able to get him, which really was a blessing because I'd lost Aaron Wise because he turned pro and Wyndham came in and filled a huge hole for us. So, um, but just looking back, I think Oklahoma State, as good as they were, it was really pressure packed. And with all the stuff that Wyndham had gone through, it was just too much. He was just, he was lost and, and, and it was a tough period for him. So when he came to Oregon and I was talking to John about it, it was just like, we got to create an atmosphere where it's just not so heavy. It's got to be fun. It's got to be light and let this kid's talent come out. And, and um, I think, I think that happened. And he had an amazing run was the PAC 12 player of the year and first team all American. And now you're U S open champion. So it's kind of a magical story. My role wasn't a lot of X and O. It, it really wasn't. I mean, I just kind of connected some dots for him and, and hopefully just, you know, got out of his way, to be honest. I don't know. I look back. I don't know how much coaching hard. I, I learned more from him than I think he learned from me. But um, it's really satisfying to play whatever role I did. You know, I think that's good coaching, though, you know, because I think a lot of times when you see somebody who's struggling or maybe – didn't have success in one place coaches will try to step in and do too much i think it's astute that you recognized what he needed was to relax he needed some comfort around him and he needed right. a place where he could go have fun again because right i mean really like i have coaches the college coaches pro coaches will tell me all the time casey like hey it's supposed to be fun like you know you forget yeah. it when the stakes are going so high but you know you got you fostered that so i do think you deserve credit for that yeah well thank you i Again, I, I, as I look back on that time, when I went out to recruit him for the second wave when he was transferring, I remember he wanted, he wanted me to give him mechanical help. He wanted, like, what do you see? What am I playing so bad? And it was, it was just kind of like this mind that was going a million miles. And initially, you know, you want to play that role. It's like, let me look. Let me see if I can't call some people that could, get, you know, try to put the pieces together. But then as time went on, it was like, you know what? This guy's swing is amazing. And even when he works on it, it's not really changing. It's, it's, it's got to be something more than that. And then when you hear the stories of kind of what he was going through and where his mind was, it was pretty obvious that, look, this is not – he doesn't need Butch Harmon, although Butch is amazing. He just – he needs some love. You know, he just needs some – he needs some compassion and he needs – um, a community around him that supports him. And, and certainly, uh, you know, he got that, but he got that from, from like Jeff and Jamie. So um, he had stayed initially when I recruited Wyndham as a 15 year old, he came to Eugene for the Pacific coast amateur Eugene country club. And he had um, his, he had um, housing there with a family, Jeff and Jamie, ironically, I had never met them before. And so I was watching this young kid who's a superstar and I see Jeff and Jamie out there. And I got to know him and, and uh, lo and behold, even though Wyndham didn't come to Oregon right after that, I became great friends. I mean, Jeff's one of my closest friends, and, and we've all kind of stayed in touch. Even though we went to Oklahoma State, we all stayed in touch because they're just friends, you know. And so when Wyndham transferred in, he actually ended up living with them. Um, we had to get, you know, approval for that and everything. But um, he, he lived with Jeff and Jamie. And, and so he went from kind of a college experience of losing your mom and being in, you know, probably – a lot of a party type situation throughout college. And then he's living with Jeff and Jamie with their three young daughters. And he's just uncle Wyndham at that point. And I think what happened is he just, the pressure was off and, you know, he did lose his mom and Jamie's not a second mom, but he got a lot of love from the Gaskells and that just, he just blossomed, you know, and it wasn't perfect obviously, but um, cause he was still struggling with so much stuff, but, he got the love he needed and he blossomed. And so those people, Jeff and Jamie and, and, and John Ellis uh, played every bit as big a role as I did. I just got to watch it and, 
and host a Pac-12 trophy for it. So it was pretty cool for me. <laughs> Oregon men's golf coach Casey Martin is our guest. Uh, you mentioned the national title in 2016. You got a guy like Aaron Weiss. You get a Wyndham uh, Clark story. Can you use that in recruiting? I, I, is there a is there a correlation like your buddy Chip Kelly in football? You know, you have some success. Does that help you get into living rooms you couldn't get into before? Or what are those conversations like as you go back out recruiting after your guy wins the U.S. Open? Yeah, that's what was going on right now. The recruiting doors just opened up June 15th on this next wave, and so I'm out there, and, yeah, I, I do kind of drop the hints that way. It's like, <laughs> you see the U.S. Open? Um, but you don't want to be, you know, over the top on it. But, yeah, some kids know that, and, and I think more it gives you some measure of credibility that, hey, he went to Oregon, and if he did it, I can do it maybe. Um, I think at Oregon you have to overcome some of those misconceptions that you can't do it at a place like Oregon because of the weather or, or whatnot, that you need to go to Florida, Texas, or Oklahoma State or something. And, and certainly those places are great, but I think it just lends some validi- validity that you can do it in the Pacific Northwest. So that that's huge for sure. At Stanford, you had, I think, a great experience as a golfer. I mean, you come from South Eugene High School. You go to Stanford. You're, like, on a big stage there. You got Tiger Woods for a spell as a teammate. So you got a taste of it there. I got to know, like, did you see the, the I guess, the trajectory of Tiger? Like, I think you probably, everyone thought he was going to be really good, but did you see Tiger when you were at Stanford? Oh, yeah. Yes, 100%. He, to have that experience, again, I have these one-year experiences, and, and I got it one year with Tiger. I was a senior, he was a freshman, and he was, I mean, beyond incredible, beyond incredible. Um, mentally, emotionally, physically, everything about it. He was better than everyone at everything. And I remember my first experience with Tiger um, playing with him. Uh, Nota Begay, myself, and Tiger went and played a, a course called Sharon, uh, Sharon Heights, just above Stanford. Tough golf course, narrow, and the greens had been punched. And Nota and I played pretty well, shot even par. And Tiger um, shot 68, hit every green, couldn't make a putt because it was on putt afterwards. And Noda looked at me, and I looked at him, and we're like, what did we just see? I mean, he hit every shot, like, perfect. And, you know, for an 18-year-old kid, it's just it, – it was it, – and it wasn't just, like, perfect. It was, like, so far and so dynamic. It was just incredible. So to have that year, um, it, was, it was magical to be with him as well. Um, and nothing he does shocks me. Nothing surprises me. He just – he's so different. It's – Hard to explain. You're talking Michael. You're talking the greatest of the greatest, and to have a year with that is is pretty cool. You've had a journey yourself as a player and now as a coach. Are are you enjoying the coaching? Is it as fun as you imagined it would be? Are you getting the the high highs that you got as a player as a coach? Is that is or or is it? Yeah. Is is nothing compare? You know, um, there's. What's interesting is I would say absolutely. To win that national championship and to see when the kids have had an experience like that that they got to cherish and you got to put that together is incredibly rewarding, maybe more rewarding than when you're out there on your own because you're kind of doing it for other people. And I think that's what I've enjoyed the most about it is it's the tour is so selfish, and it should be. It's just you. You're your own team, right? Um, but when you get to be a coach, it's it's not – it's different that way. And I think that's really the rewarding part is you're doing it for a school, for a community and, and for the kids. And of course for yourself to some degree too. But um, I think that's a really rewarding part that I've enjoyed is that it's not just for me. The tours, like you said, it's, it's, 
not narcissistic, but it's self-absorbed in a lot of ways. It's everyone, you know, it's all about me and my time and what I do all the time and everyone get out of my way. I've got to do it. And it, it can kind of wear on you. Now, the great thing about the tour is there's just this carrot of not only financial wealth, but, you know, it's a, it's a thrill. And, and I, I will say I do miss that competitive juice, that waking up on big rounds where you're so nervous and you just can't, you know, you're, can't eat because you got a big round. I mean, that stuff, it sounds bad, but it's amazing when, when you don't have it, it, you, you miss that juice, you know? So, so coaching's a little different on that end, but it's very satisfying to, like you said, get to play a role with these kids and, and um, hopefully help them a little bit, you know? Yeah, well, you did, and I, I think it's a big success. It was a great story. It still continues to be one. Excited to see uh, what your program turns out next. Thank you for making time, Casey. Anytime. Thanks Thanks for thinking of me. Appreciate it very much. You bet. There it is. Wyndham Clark goes on to win a U.S. Open. Uh, you don't forget the people who helped him get there. Fantastic interview. Love the, love the comments about Tiger Woods as well. I uh, want you to leave it here. Anna pops into the studio next. You got the BFT statewide on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. I'm ready to go play golf after that last interview. Uh, BFT Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament will take place on Thursday. We are just uh, 48 hours away. Judah Newby will be on the broadcast with uh, our very own Stephen Vaughn covering the ninth annual BFT Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. I want to thank Miss Oregon and Alex Molden and Neil Lomax and Bobby Gross from the 1977 Blazers World Championship team, uh, among the other celebrity golfers who are all showing up, helping out kids, helping out for the day, playing some golf. Uh, we're going to raise some money, and uh, the beneficiary of the tournament is ultimately Camp Exceptional. It's the summer camp for for uh, typical kids and special needs kids, a uh, very inclusive camp that um, is the highlight of the summer, I think, for our family. Anna's popped into the studio. Uh, High Caliber Millwrights is the sponsor for the ninth annual BFT Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament. want to thank High Caliber for buying into the community, their support of kids, and uh, helping uh, kids smile. Anna, I want to talk about you as a kid. I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, good. Let's gonna... not talk about me as a golfer, uh, but let's talk about me as a kid. You actually have some good natural talent. Your uh, golf instincts are good. That only gets you so far. Yeah, it, but it, it achieves the the thing that every golfer is afraid of. People are watching. You're on the tee box. You're about to hit the tee. And you seem to step up and swing the club well in that situation. Well, you must be looking away on all those times that I swing the club and it makes no contact with any ball. And you look good on the course. Okay, well. Because you look like the LPGA Tour, if I could just say that. <laughs> yeah. Can I, I say that without got, sounding racist? I've got the look. <laughs> no, I don't. I, that's not racist yeah. to me. There's a lot of Asians on that tour, man. You just look like. i got to channel all those Korean yeah. And they're mostly Korean. You're not Korean, though. I'm not Korean, but, uh, yeah. And I don't know what Rose Zhang is. I think she's Chinese. I think she's Chinese. Yeah, I've, I'm efforting her on the show. You're efforting? Yeah. yeah. Efforting. Big, big deal. I had I reached out to Stanford. Stanford said... As in the university. Yeah, because that's where she goes to school. Correct. And she won an NCAA championship, and then she turned pro and yeah. won her first pro event yeah. in, within a week. She's gangbusters. And um, her representation i was referred from stanford to her representation yeah then her representation said 
Things are crazy for her right now. <laughs> you think? And you're not Good Morning America. Right. Okay. And I said, is she going Do on Do they good- really say that? No, but they, because you made that comment. You meant, oh, she's going to be on Good Morning America. Oh, or for sure. Today's show or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said to her representation, they said, oh, things are crazy for her now. We'd love to get her on with you. Let Can we circle back when things die down for her? Yeah. Basically, when I don't want her on the show, they'll get her for me on the show. <laughs> well. Okay. Who the question is? Who will you get first? Will you get past Coach Prime's people, oh. or will you get past Rose Zhang's people? It'll be that, and then I've also been efforting Portugal the man. You have to stop saying efforting, though, because <laughs> no regular human being yeah. outside of news uses that as a verb. So it'll but be who's Portugal the man? Portugal is that the a man. musician? It's a musician. Okay, come on. Sorry, I, you know that's Loves. like a. Big empty place in my brain. Portugal, the man loves one of the Blazers. The empty places in my loves brain. the Blazers. So oh, okay. I thought, you know, here's my order of operations. Yes. Portugal, the man will come on first. <laughs> why? Why do you want Portugal, the man? Because so I know. it it's a it's a musician, a famous musician uh-huh. who's like into sports. Okay. 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 So this Check is some boxes. this is good. Okay. <laughs> he knows sports. So okay. And so I I think we'll get. Portugal the man like tomorrow. Really? Yeah, I'm working. Before I'm that close. Coach Prime I'm that close. <laughs> well, you know what I use? How long have you been working on Portugal the man? Uh, about two weeks. Okay. But so you know, but you know what I know. use? They this is know. This is an honest thing. Like, I don't know that much about Portugal the man. Oh, boy. But I know Portugal the man <laughs> is kind of a big deal in some circles. Okay. <laughs> so as I'm talking to Portugal's people, okay, I'm... Emailing with his people. I don't think you can just use it as one word. You have to yeah. say all three words every time. As I'm emailing <laughs> with his people, yeah. they're saying how busy he is. Right. I love that. When pe- well, I love when people go, I'm so busy. Okay? Uh-huh. We're all busy. It's yeah. all relative. Everyone listening to this radio broadcast is busy as hell. We're all busy. Yeah. Don't play that, oh, I'm so busy card. Yeah. And expect everybody to be like, oh, you're so busy. Yeah. Like, I can't do that. I can't do that to, like, my friends. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm so much busier than you. Uh. They'll laugh at me. Okay? So here's uh, what Portugal the man's, Portugal's people said. Portugal's people said he's really busy. He's got an album release, whatever. You know, there's a visit coming up to Portland, by the yeah. way. So I was like, that's fine. I said, if he can't make it, I'll get President Obama on the show. <laughs> Because we've already had the president, right? Okay. So I play that card. Uh-huh. Like, you know what? Like, you're not a big deal. We've mm-hmm. had President Obama on the show, so I'm able to say that. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I play that card back, and then his representation came right back and said, how's Wednesday? Wow. <laughs> really? That yeah, worked for you? It works because you have to tell him. It's a little bit of a brushback pitch. Yeah. You have to tell him, like, I don't care if we get him or not. We'll move on. This isn't about us pandering. Yeah. You know? Yeah not about what we can do for you this is like when you're in middle school and you don't want to act like you're you're too into that person that you have a crush on you know I you got to play it a little cooler i don't know that one i don't know that but yes routine. the whole i'm too busy thing is really kind of a cop-out we have a family friend who's been working on a birthday surprise for a loved one okay and this friend of ours is persistent as all get out. Like, it's part of the reason he's been so successful in what he does in business. But I have realized watching him in this process, this is why he got to where he is. This birthday surprise thing includes 
as of two weeks ago, maybe a week ago, a tribute from Martha Stewart. Okay. And not like not like where you go on Cameo or one of those websites where you pay a certain amount and said celebrity will wish your loved one a happy birthday. It wasn't even like that. He just found a way to get to her people. And when they came back with, well, she's really busy, his take was, well, she'll either do it or she won't. Because we're all busy, and this is 30 seconds out of her day. Yep. I thought that was a fascinating take and a fascinating response, which then generated her complying with the video. Yeah. Martha freaking Stewart. Yeah. We're all busy. Yeah. It's relative, though. By the way, Portugal the Man is a band. It's not a person. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Are they from Oregon? They are based in Oregon now. Okay. But I believe they're originally from Alaska. Okay. And See, it's there's some neurons firing in my brain <laughs> about this. This is so. But anyway, <laughs> what we're going to talk about with Portugal the man tomorrow is oh. is tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. It's I, for sure tomorrow. Well, that's what I told him. I said Wednesday. Locked in tomorrow, three o'clock. Judah, does that work for you? Yeah, John, I'll be here. That works. Portugal the man. Do you know who Portugal the man is, Judah? Oh my goodness, big time! They're massive Blazer fans. They are Blazer fans. There's more than one of them. Oh. See? Yeah. <laughs> I hope actual, they're not I think, the, right now. I think there's five band members. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, if they're listening right now, yeah. then good on them. Well, I know, but now I'm feeling embarrassed that I mm. don't know. I should. I feel like I should know, you know more what? about them. Can you well, feel it still? Maybe part of Is the Is that one interview. of their songs? Are you just sick to yourself? The uh, inter- are, are, you really, the, are you really throwing just, out song titles now? No, I'm just trying to give you some clues. That's a big hit. Oh, okay. Do you want to play that the song so, for our listeners who haven't heard? I Portugal can't be the, the only one, right? No, there's a lot of people out there listening, going, "I don't know who this uh, is." Okay. Yeah. It's a sports radio show. Yeah. You know, we could play that game with them tomorrow. We'll just name sports references that are obscure, <laughs> turn it into a Jeopardy game. But or we could just talk to them about like why they like the Blazers and how interesting. It'll be a different interview. Pop you know? quiz. I What's the infield fly rule? I've had hit and miss interviews with with uh, musicians. Mm-hmm. There you go. My hands on myself Take out dust them all Put them back up on the shelf Just my little baby girl is in need Am I coming out of left field? Ooh, I'm a rebel just for kids I've been feeling it since 1966 now I'll be over now, but I feel it still See? They're kind of a big deal Oh, you I totally know that song You didn't know them, but you knew their music there you go. I think they've won at least one Grammy. Yeah. Seems like they have. I don't know if we're having the whole band on or the lead singers on. Feels I mean, like you should find out. We're going to find out tomorrow. <laughs> the other thing was the, they wanted to be in studio, mm-hmm. okay, which would have been really cool because when you have musicians in studio, they will sometimes bring a guitar, you know, yeah. they'll play a song. Yeah. We've had that happen over the years. We've also had- we Are had, we going to have them at our house? No. Is that what's happening? No, they they offered to come to the studio if I could do the interview on a different day. I didn't want oh. to do it on a different day. I want to do it tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, I was busy. 
Okay. Like, and I, I wasn't just saying that to act like I was busy. I yeah. was just like, I'm too busy. Oh, sure. Sorry. Now, now I, you can say you're busy. I can't do it. Um, so uh, the idea being that they're going to come on. We're going to talk a little bit about the Blazers. I'll uh-huh. ask them what they will do with Damian Lillard. Does the same kind of drama happen in the music industry Yeah, that happens with... Uh, that happens with, uh, you know, NBA players. Yeah. You know, how do you keep a band together? Who's the Yoko Ono in the group? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Okay. Stuff like that. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, they're from Wasilla, Alaska. Okay. They're now based in Portland. They, uh, two of them met and began playing music together back in high school at Wasilla High School in Alaska. Mm. And they have, in fact, won a Grammy. Their 2017 single, Feel It Still, won Best Pop Duo Group Performance Is that what we just heard, Judah? Annual Grammy Awards. Correct. Is that what we heard? Yes. Yeah, see? I, I have been under So rock. where do they rank as far as guests that we have had on? Because, you know, like, give us a athletic uh, equivalent of Portugal the man. Is, uh, was Mike Tyson a bigger deal? Than Portugal the man? Yes. Okay. Was, trying to figure out where they rank. Was uh, Norm MacDonald being in studio bigger than Portugal the man? Yeah. Okay. How about Roseanne Barr? Well, I would probably put Portugal the man up there, but that's because I'm not like a Roseanne Barr. Okay. P1. All right. She's not your thing. I thought she was a lot nicer. She was a much nicer human being than I expected her to be, Roseanne. Isn't that usually the case? Though? She was a nice person, at least just in passing. Like, she could have been your next-door neighbor, that she's the lady who lives down the street, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when she started to be funny. Mm-hmm. You know who I found to be really kind of sad, but in a way that was charming? Who? Polly Shore. Yeah. Polly Shore was real. Yeah. It surprised me, because we see Weeze and the Juice and all that stuff. He was doing all the He was doing all his bits when we were on air. Yeah. But in the four or five minutes before he went on air, when we were on a commercial break, and then after, he was a genuine, real person. And on his way out of the studio, he stopped me and he said, uh, hey, that, he goes, that wasn't the normal interview I do. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he shows up and they have him do all his stupid wheezing the juice and all that stuff he did mm-hmm. as Polly Shore. Yeah. And uh, instead, we talked about his mother, we talked about the comedy club, and we talked about how the, l- difficult his life and upbringing was and how great it was in some ways and and what is happening to the comedy industry. And it was a different kind of interview. And uh, I think I, I threw him a little bit because mm-hmm. he first thought he was just doing kind of a jackass normal yeah. radio interview. Yeah. And so on the, on the way out of the studio, he stops me and he says, hey, he goes, that was a very different interview. And he got like s- suddenly like out of character. Yeah. <laughs> and he uh, said, I really enjoyed that. And if you ever need me back, you know, whatever, you know, oh. maybe he's just blown. Well, smoke you should me, have but... had him back. He was just in town recently. I know. Maybe you inspired him to incorporate some of that into his act. But I thought it was it was kind of sobering to hear him kind of talk about the fact that he wasn't a fully developed person because of the way he grew up. Mm-hmm. Like he grew up at the back of his mother's comedy club, seeing like, you know, um, you know, all these you know, Bobcat Goldwaith and yeah. Eddie Murphy and Chris Rock and all these people come through his mom's comedy club. He didn't have a normal childhood. Yeah.
But you know? isn't that refreshing, though, that he was authentic in that way? Yeah. A friend of mine who recently saw him at Helium said that he actually said at the end of his act, you know, thank you guys. You guys are all I have. This is all I know is to mm. do stand-up. I don't know how to do anything else. And she said it was weird because the crowd went wild when he said that, but she was sitting there thinking like, well, gosh, that's kind of sad. It's sobering. You know? yeah. it's, it is sobering. Yeah. I, I actually think the comedians we've had in over the years, and Judah, you've seen some of this, like I think um, like John Lovitz was another example of this. He came in right after his father died. Yeah. Okay, his father was a, a doctor, and his father wanted to be a comedian, but went to medical school, became a doctor, and then John Lovitz, you know, knew that his father's dream was to be a comedian, went on and became a comedian. And his father had just passed away, and Lovitz brought in his dog. He had this little kind of pug dog. Really? <laughs> you know, he brought it in with him, okay. and he was very, um, he was just very quirky and different yeah and then he sat down and he kind of said well how is this going to go and i said well, we're not scripting any of this we're just going to talk yeah and we talked about his father and he's there to do a comedy club and sell comedy tickets and he started crying on <laughs> oh, air no. he was crying because oh. i said to him like are you fulfilling your father's dream it's yeah. like is is your entire existence rooted in the idea that you were li living your father's dream oh geez and, Oprah. and uh he started crying and then he said, and come see my comedy club, my comedy <laughs> show tonight at Helium or whatever. But it was a great interview. Mm -hmm. Like, and same thing. Like, I, I thought he, some of the, like, I think to get up on stage and to have that kind of humor, there has to be something a little dark going on. Oh, absolutely. L I mean, yeah. look, normal people don't make very good stand-up comics. Let's just put it that way, right? Yeah. Like, most of the people that are really good at what they do... You know, when you think of the legends like Robin Williams, mm -hmm. you know, he was a savant yeah. as far as comedy and timing. And like if if any of us, most of 99 percent of us got up there to try and do stand up, we would just flop. But it's the people that can kind of cut through the noise and, you know, allow themselves to be vulnerable a lot of the time they're, um, they're, with what yeah. they're talking about, because a lot of them they talk about really horrible things that have happened in their lives, but they're able to frame it in a way that we can see the satire and the humor in it somehow. I also think that the, the successful comedians, I have noted, they're likable. They're, they're, you think so? Yeah. They're like you want to like them yeah. and you relate to them. And in part, like they're telling their painful story and they're making fun of it and we're laughing with them. But there is a uh, part of you that, likes them yeah you have to yeah otherwise you don't go to see them like yeah and i think the ones that have that like people like jerry seinfeld felt yeah it, you know i think you like uh you know eddie murphy mm -hmm. you uh sebastian maniscalco you like him well i look you at wanna, what richard yeah. Pryor talked about yeah. in his act yeah you know so you want to like him yeah because so i can remember like you know bobby lee came in studio and he was great we went to see his show. He was insane on the on the stage. I, I actually think he probably needs treatment for some kind of personality <laughs> disorder that he has. And him being on stage is his way of self-medicating it. He wound up like in his underwear. He took his stage, clothes huh? off 
and he just kept going farther and did we farther. See, did we see his naked bum? I think, I we think did. he did. And, yeah. I, and I, I, I came on. I remember leaving with you and going, he was so funny. He didn't need to stoop to get to the oh, like true. the part where he showed his backside. Yeah, yeah. He didn't need to stoop. Yeah. And then you, we had Jamie Jamie Lee in studio. That she's a writer. She was a writer on Ted Lasso. Yeah. And she was an executive producer on Ted Lasso. She, her jokes were super smart, super funny. Mm-hmm. Liked her as well. She wasn't as good a performer on stage, but she had great material. I, I'm just in awe of people who can stand up there in front of a live audience in person yeah. and pull off stand-up. Because I just, I don't quite understand how they can do it. It's yeah. a whole... And when you look at the ones that are really good, who constantly are working at their craft, it's the idea that Jerry Seinfeld will just walk into a comedy club in New York. He'll go to the comedy cellar or somewhere like that and just to work out his material. And his whole thing is like, I want to be able to work it out in front of a crowd that paid $25 to get in or 20 bucks to get in versus a crowd that's paying, you know, 100 to $200 for the work, seat that they're Work occupying. on some of this material. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about what makes a great coach. We've got coaches here in the state of Oregon from Jonathan Smith to Dan Lanning to Dana Altman to uh, Shantae Leggins at University of Portland and, and back again. What are the things that make a great coach? And if we're ranking the coaches in the state of Oregon, who's at the top of that list right now? I want your input on this. 503-417. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.